Welcome to the BLC Connection Podcast. I'm Karen Wilson and your host for today. These small episodes will focus on local businesses that excel at particular parts of customer care. Today's guest is Mandy Eller with Bershaba Springs Medical Clinic to discuss the healthcare challenges of rural Tennesseans and how the clinic addresses those in Grundy County. Welcome, Mandy. Hello. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate you having me here. Yeah. Okay. Well, you have been in this role mm-hmm. um, as the executive director mm-hmm. there for almost a year or Yes, uh, about 14 months. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All righty. Um, so start, I guess, by telling the audience about the medical clinic, what services you all provide, and kind of yes. the mission of the clinic. Yes. So we provide um, primary care. We also provide um, ambulatory services, you know, um, and but also we have a dispensary on site and we have a dental clinic so we do a lot of a lot of work with with a few people <laughs> right yes um, and you know as as I was thinking about the clinic and its location mm-hmm. of Springs is such a beautiful area yes. um, but there's not a lot of resources up there it's got tons of beauty but absolutely. if you need to go to the doctor to the grocery mm-hmm. store there's not a lot of choices absolutely yes and that's that's exactly why the clinic was created so Dr. Adams uh, our main founder uh, was went to Bershba Springs for um, many years when he was a child. You know, it was his their vacation site. Uh, you know, at the hotel there, and he really loved the area. And he and his wife decided to buy a home down there, and they made friends with people in the community. And he had a neighbor who um, he saw one day. She came to work um, on his house, and she had what looked to be like cellulitis right above her eye, which can be very damaging. Mm-hmm. And he said, you must go. You must go get help now. And she said, well, I don't know where to go, and I don't know how much it's going to cost. And so she wasn't going to go. And so he and his wife um, took her here to River Park. And when they were leaving, the bill was going to be $2,400. And, of course, with his knowledge, he was an infectious disease, a pediatric physician. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so with his knowledge, he said, you know, we, we don't have any insurance. We're going to pay this today. And they were able to get it down to $600. And so she was she got treatment and went back home. But the, my favorite part of the story is she actually came back to his house later that day with $600 and said, yeah, I had that. I just didn't know how much it was going to be. And, you know, it scared me. Right. Uh, and so... So, you know, that's that's the situation that so many people are, are in in the state. Yes, that is so true. And we think of, I think, because we're, you and I live in, in McMinnville, um, and we're surrounded by some medium towns, medium-sized mm-hmm. towns with a hospital and doctors and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, when you go out up the mm-hmm. mountain, especially, mm-hmm. there are so few resources. Absolutely. And you don't really think about, like, mm-hmm. Um, just you've got a cold and just even with COVID and all the mm-hmm. things now, people absolutely. have been untreated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and we see we see people from, uh, you know, it was 18 different counties this last year. Wow. And so, you know, because we are a completely free clinic, it is unique in that way. I think there's two other clinics in the state that are set up the way we are, but we don't take any insurance at all. Mm-hmm. Don't bill any insurance. And so that opens the door for a lot of people, you know, and, and a lot of people 
um, they're not necessarily unemployed. Most of our patients have jobs. They're just not insured or they're underinsured. Mm-hmm. And so they, they hesitate on, on getting the care that they need yeah, for that you reason. you see that many mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch TV and you see some of these shows with people with uh, things and you think, why did they let it go on that right. long before getting right. treatment? Well, mm-hmm. it's probably because of insurance. It is. It is. And, you know, that's a big reason why I, I went to the clinic. Um, you know, I have experience with that with my dad and my sister. You know, they were either uninsured or underinsured. And so they didn't seek care in a timely manner because, you know, seeing it from their perspective, though we never had the chance to have this conversation, I really see it as they were trying to make a decision on, you know, do I, do I seek care and potentially lose everything I've ever worked for? Mm-hmm. You know, or do I just see if I'm going to be okay? Mm-hmm. And they have, they hope that they're going to be okay, but then they weren't. You know, and I can't say that, you know, lack of insurance is exactly why they're no longer with us, but I definitely think it factored into it. Yeah, you lost a sister during mm-hmm. the COVID-19 mm-hmm. and she's yeah. young, you know, beautiful yes. lady who yes. you just did not anticipate would Absolutely. be gone because of right. it. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, and I was I was her next of kin, so I was taking her and navigating this huge system and I saw how, you know, it's not the the people in the hospital's fault. You know, I feel for the case managers and really the doctors and the nurses and everyone having to deal with this huge bureaucracy, you know. And so I saw how um how difficult that is to navigate for families. And so when this position came open, I thought that would be a great way to kind of to to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Well, and as you said, this wasn't on our topic, but that brings up to me how important an advocate is because mm-hmm. your loved one is probably yes. sick, not feeling yes. well, not even processing mm-hmm. everything that they're going through. Right. And that other person needs to mm-hmm. be there for them, whether it's a friend, a family member, to yes. hear and to understand what all is happening. Absolutely. And I even had to rely on you know nurse friends and physician friends to, to help clarify the situation and say, you know, is this really how... It it is, or are they just having to tell me this because of, you know, mm-hmm. this certain situations right. and laws and things. Right. And so it was a lot to navigate. Absolutely. Yes. So um, you kind of told us about the clinic beginning, um, Dr. Adams, I yes. believe you said, mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. so I guess he started working as far as utilizing resources. Tell us mm-hmm. how that actually came together. Yeah. So there were, I think, uh, three or four people on a porch in Bursa Springs at one of the homes, and he told the story of his friend. Um, whom he had helped, and it was he and Phil Mayhew, they gave the money, um, and then another was uh, Renee Hobbs, which she's she's been the office manager until this year, and I have her moved over to community health worker now, which is extremely important, um, but she was one of them, and then another citizen in Bershba Springs, and um, they came up with this concept in 2008 and got it fully incorporated by 2010, and, and it's been open since then. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine how you even begin to organize something to where you're giving Free yes. services, three mm-hmm. medical services, which mm-hmm. we all know the expense of that yes. to an entire territory region of yes. people. Yeah. Um, 
And, of course, we will touch on that a little bit. I'll go ahead, I guess, and bring that up um, about you all are a 501c3. Yes. But you receive no funding on the state Mm -hmm. or federal level. How is that possible? Right. Yes. And so, yeah, it's the generous donors. And honestly, it's the story of the clinic and what the clinic does. Um, I've been amazed because, you know, since I've been there, we've... We've, I've really been working on grants. That was really uh, what I was bringing to the table because before it was all individual donations, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. you know. But the people there in Bershba Springs, they have homes there and they support their friends with the people in the community. And so they, they give very generously to the clinic. And, uh, and then we also have physicians who, you know, our volunteer physicians who come in and work with us who also support us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it's incredible the, the support it does receive. Yeah, I could. I mean, it's got to take people mm-hmm. like that doing it. But as you mm-hmm. says, grants. And right. luckily, it's a good time for grants. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. And so that's yes. You know, there was kind of a misconception whenever I came in of well, we don't take state or federal funding, so we have to be careful. But I had a wonderful conversation with Dr. Adams, and he said, you know, as long as it just doesn't drag us into having to be part of that bureaucracy, yes. you know, if we can stay away from that, because that's really why we get a lot of the volunteers that we we get because they actually get to just do what they went to school to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to worry about all the insurance and the bureaucracy. They're not plugged into the system. They just really get to to be with the person the entire way through the process. They even get to hand them their medication and explain to them how to use it. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I talk, try to talk to every resident and physician who comes in, and that's what they say consistently is they just love how it's so grassroots, mm-hmm. you know, and they get to do what they normally wouldn't get to do otherwise. Probably go back a hundred years or yeah. so into mm-hmm. how uh, doctors and nurses exactly. were able to do the job yeah. mm-hmm. without all of the paperwork and, and right. things like that. It does, but it also brings in the modern element of medicine. Yes. You know, I mean, we, we have a dispensary there on site. We don't keep any controlled, nar- you know, substances or narcotics, um, but we do occasionally prescribe, say, gabapentin for diabetic neuropathy. We have lots of diabetic patients. Mm-hmm. You know, and our patients, do they have very complicated comorbidities and, you know, due to their their life circumstances. And so it's also an interesting challenge for the doctors who come, you know, to see, to get to the bottom of everything that's going on with this person. And thankfully, we have wonderful physicians. We have programs with Erlanger and St. Thomas, and they they run residents through. We have physicians who are over that program to the UT College of Medicine, and they send residents to us. And yeah, every Friday, um, uh, we receive a rotation. And we also are part of Yale's global um, uh, World Health or, um, Global Health Program, um, and uh, so we're actually going to get a Yale resident down here in the spring. So uh, we usually get one a couple of times a year for a few weeks. I bet they're amazed at the beautiful uh, location and then yes. getting to know the people of Tennessee. Wonderful exactly. people. Yes, yes, and they get to see yeah a whole different side, you know, of medicine, and that's something that I think that. The clinic also plays a very important role in educating people from all over on, you know, the needs of rural citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, a lot of rural students are not going into medical school, mm-hmm. you know, and part of that's because they think, well, you know, we don't, we won't score as high on the on the tests and all of those things. And it's sad. Um, and because the thing, the fact is that doctors, if they've grown up in an urban area, don't typically go to a rural area. Mm-hmm. But we have the opportunity to bring these physicians in from all over. You know, one's just starting out in their residency and get to show them the needs of 
of rural Americans mm-hmm. in yes, Tennessee. And the challenges here are yes. very different than urban areas. Absolutely. Um, we could talk about that, probably be a whole other yeah. podcast, I would think. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the challenges of providing medical care in that area of Tennessee. Um, I go back to the people uh, of rural Tennessee and, and just rural America in general. Um, are people, I guess, resistant of doctors? Um, let's talk about their edu- as sure. far as the education mm-hmm. of what their circumstances are mm-hmm. as far as uh, their yeah. health and things like that. What are some of the challenges? Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of them have never been to, uh, a lot of them before the clinic opened had never been to a doctor. And then maybe they'd been to Dr. Harbolt, you know, but um, which, which he was a doctor, <laughs> don't get yes. me wrong. Uh-huh. But, you know, it was uh, um, not the extensive kind of medical care that they were needing. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, there is. It's a generational thing um, that, you know, their parents didn't seek it until they absolutely had to have it, and they do the same thing. And so it's a re-education, trying to to educate them that, you know, let's get on top of this and stay on top of it, um, you know, so that you can have a longer life. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it is. It's a challenge um, because generationally it's just not what they've had available to them. Mm -hmm. And um, But, you know, we also have really great success stories, uh, you know, people changing their lives and turning their lives around. So, um, you know, it does make a difference. It really does. I noticed um, you all work with Steve and Karen Wickham um, yes. and their diabetic. Mm-hmm. We've had them on Table Talk yeah. before at Ben Loman, but education, I'm mm-hmm. sure, is a huge part of you know, here's the situation that you're in. Let's mm-hmm. try to change that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are additional challenges. You know, we just brought on an AmeriCorps service member um, to actually work with them individually as well. So we do the classes, but then they actually make an appointment. And because it's been, it's interesting, just, um, you know, teaching a class, it's not exactly the easiest way to to, to reach our patients, mm-hmm. you know, because that might be an uncomfortable situation sometimes. So we offer it because it's important information mm-hmm. and they come and they participate, and that's great. But we also need to help them on a one-on-one level because there are so many other barriers that they're facing. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned, I think, grocery stores earlier. That is, I mean, it's a food desert. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's very hard for them to get fresh foods. So we were talking about the spring bringing back our... um, raised beds and incorporating that into our diabetic classes and looking at doing a community kitchen where we where we all cook food together and they learn how to cook these fresh foods because that's also something that's been lost, you know? Right. We think of, you know, rural America, we've all had gardens and things like that, but some of this generation mm-hmm. is getting mm-hmm. older and unable yes. to garden. Mm-hmm. Plus, when we garden, we tend to want to fry everything. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's just the South. Yes, yes. <laughs> but there are some healthy ways mm-hmm. to fix those fresh foods that we kind of, you know, maybe not tried before. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm glad you brought up the frying because we're looking at um, our classes coming up for diabetics and thinking about rewarding people with air fryers, you know, oh, for yeah. coming and attending uh-huh. the classes. So, you got to think of incentives on how to get them there, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. That's a hot thing right now <laughs> right. that a lot of people love. And uh, yeah, a lot of times there can be pricey and it's not yeah, exactly. something you're just going to go buy yourself mm-hmm. to try. That's right. a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the clinic also provides dental care in yes. areas with you know few resources. Yes. I can think of probably mm-hmm. even fewer dentists in that area. Elaborate mm-hmm. on the significance of that because... 
I mean, we don't really think of dental as being it. Kind of, we think of it as being maybe even cosmetic, but it can cause so many other problems. Dental care is health care, absolutely. And that's why we created the clinic. So my predecessor was the first executive director, and she she saw, you know, these people, our patients coming in over and over again for antibiotics with these abscessed teeth. And, you know, that's not good to have to take antibiotics so many times because then you can Mm -hmm. become resistant and, and really causes problems. And so, but there was no resol- there was no solution. Um, you know, there's one dentist in Monegal mm-hmm. in Grundy County, um, but you know they have to pay, mm-hmm. and so people just weren't um, uh, receiving the care. And so they opened the dental clinic, and thankfully um, to Smile 180, the foundation under Delta Dental, funded our dentist our dental clinic, and it's the most high tech. You'll have to come see it sometime. <laughs> Yeah. It's the most high tech part of it, um, but thanks to them, and uh, and thankfully we have a dentist, um, Doctor McCracken. So he his grandfather um, lived in Grundy County, and so and he comes back and sees his aunt whenever he comes up there. Up there, but um, he teaches at UAB. Um, he's actually a really big deal. I didn't realize because he's so, so humble. And when I looked up his bio, I said, wow, this guy's coming here. Uh-huh. And because I mean, he, he's written several books and, you know, but he has, he runs several clinics um, and including Revive Dental. And he was just opening that whenever he came to us and he sends residents to us every month. Um, and so we have a dental clinic day every month, usually pull around 65 teeth because what we're doing right now is just extractions. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, Karen, that was the eye-opening moment for me whenever I started at the clinic. It was, I believe it was November of last year, we had our first clinic and our first patient of the day left in tears. And I thought, well, I would be crying too because I think she had her last um, six teeth removed that day. And, you know, I was thinking about it for more like vanity, Mm -hmm. right? But she was actually crying because she was finally, she finally had relief. It was the first time she hadn't been in pain in so long. And she was actually asking for the dental assistant's address and the the dentist's address because she wanted to send him a gift. Mm -hmm. And that just really, that changed. That was that was perspective I needed. Mm-hmm. You know, have, coming from a totally different kind of nonprofit work, that was really a reality check for me. And I thought, wow, this is really important work. These people need this. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we are somewhat sheltered um, mm-hmm. from being exposed to that. And Absolutely. just how... Um, I guess, common it is in Mm -hmm. areas like Mm -hmm. that, as you said, to go untreated in pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times that's what um, has led people to addictions and things Mm -hmm. like that. And of course, that was a big factor in rural America, Mm -hmm. but you were in pain, Mm -hmm. you took medication, you know, just to kind of get by. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's... um, it's, it's, I was going to say, we're, we're also creating our uh, denture lab. So that should be up this next year. So, you know, we're removing all these teeth. And I wanted to bring that up because you, it kind of hinted on um, employment. Mm-hmm. And that is a big deal. You know, whenever people begin to lose their teeth, they can't just get a job anywhere. Mm-hmm. And they have to, you know, either in the back, in a warehouse or night shift. And, and think about what that does to a person's psyche, yeah. you know, and, and just because their parents never took them to the dentist, right. you know, because they never went to the dentist. And it's a generational thing. And so it's not always drugs that creates it, though we definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's just where they they fell asleep with a bottle in their mouth and they never saw a dentist before and it's just a generational thing. And so, you know, we look forward to being able to supply, you know, dentures, especially to our younger folks um, who yeah. still 
really want to get out and have a social life. I mean, they have to be shut in, and uh, and it's it's sad. And it affects even eating. And yes, it all does. All kinds of things like that that yes. we kind of take for granted. Um, you know, there's a reason that we mm-hmm. have those teeth. And Absolutely. We need those. Yeah, we've definitely seen that too. Just inflamed gums from trying to eat, and, and people losing a lot of weight because they just can't eat food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a wonderful resource. I noticed uh, one of your posts, it was very excited that Dr. Yeah. McCracken was coming back. Yes. And so yes. um, I guess you all provide that, um, say, monthly. Is yes. that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we see about 10 to 12 patients a month. And right now, we're booked out um, almost through February. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, we see we see about 17, 18% of our patients in total from Warren County. And really, we see more in the dental clinic um, from Warren County really? and even and even White County and DeKalb. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's just nothing like it around mm-hmm. and there's such a great need for it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great resource. As mm-hmm. I said, I mentioned Grundy County, but mm-hmm. you all, as you said, yeah. are providing mm-hmm. the care. You don't have to be a resident of no. Grundy County. No, we actually can't refuse service to anyone, mm-hmm. you know, being a 501c3. And, um, so, I mean, if someone walks through the door, they're going to receive care. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as long as we can give it to them that day, we'll do it. And, you know, I want to give a special thanks, too, to River Park Hospital because, you know, you can we can only do so much there we don't have the imaging we don't have you know we have an EKG but we don't have you know um, ultrasound or you know any anything like that and uh, or x-ray and so we often send people to River Park and they're so kind they um, give us unlimited x-rays you know and so many cat uh, CT scans and you know all of that stuff um, and that's that's the only way a lot of our patients could get that continuity of care, you know, and thankfully, because we have these wonderful physicians who volunteer with us from these different hospitals and they have connections, we can often connect people with specialists who Mm -hmm. need to be seen and they will do it at reduced or no cost. Mm -hmm. And so it's really incredible to see how it all comes together and how these amazing people work together to help to help these people. Yeah. Do you all do uh, pediatric care there as well? We, or how we does don't that at work? the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, because we our physicians can't see uh, children under the age of sixteen. Okay. But you know they do have a health department there, and so you know mm-hmm. we try to send them there. We we hope that they're um, engaging, but not at this time. We don't have pediatric mm-hmm. care. Well, and as you said, most counties, all counties, have a mm-hmm. health department, yes. and they're pretty much taken care yes. of. I think a lot of times it's that as you said, the 30s, 40s, and then that older mm-hmm. demographic yes. that's really where yeah. they're not receiving the help they need. Right. And children are, are covered under 10 care automatically, mm-hmm. you know, until they turn 18. So I think that helps in that area. But yes, it's the adults can be completely left out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we tend to be the one, try to be the bigger person. And I can get through this. I can yes. get through this. But mm-hmm. um, as I've said, it's probably not the broadest thing to think of. But sometimes we're not all lucky enough to die. And what I mean by when I Mm -hmm. say that Mm -hmm. is that something could be prevented that would keep you from being um, in a vegetative state or helpless and Mm -hmm. in a nursing home and things Mm -hmm. like that. No one wants to linger like that. And it'd just be better to 
Uh, you know, to to prevent that from ever happening. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. And it's a it's a mindset shift, you know, and and educate education mm-hmm. in the community, and that's part of what the community health worker um, is doing now. We created that position through a grant with the Tennessee Charitable Care Network, and hopefully, we'll have it for at least a couple of years. Um, but you know, it, she really works on all the social determinants of health, and even helping them with like food security and and housing and employment and whatever they're needing mm-hmm. um, at the time that's beyond the the walls of the clinic. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, lots of resources mm-hmm. being given out. And mm-hmm. I love how um, something I have noticed in Grundy County is there's a lot of people that care about the people of Grundy that are, Absolutely. you know, from free legal services to mm-hmm. um, just all kinds of different resources mm-hmm. uh, because of, of, you know, lack of funds in a lot of people's areas yes. that, that, that they still need those resources. Yes. So, you know, when I first came in, I was looking for um, what foundations to approach since we're a 501c3. And the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee does not include Grundy. And the the Community uh, community Foundation of Greater Chattanooga does not include Grundy. Wow. I think it's the only county in the state that's not included in either, you know, in, in those state community foundations. Um, and so it's really, um, it's, it's really interesting. And also the Healing Trust that would normally fund someone like us, Grundy County is cut out. Wow. So sometimes they, they I mean, they've really been left behind in a lot of ways. It's because mm-hmm. they, geographically, I understand what they're doing because mm-hmm. it kind of looks like it's in the middle, but it sort of could fit in the east. Mm-hmm. And so, it, but it's kind of like a hot potato, I think, because there are so many complex issues in Grundy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, it was a coal mining community. And when the coal mines left, nothing really came back to replace it. You know, mm-hmm. they have lumber um, and tourism. They're really, they're really pushing tourism there now, mm-hmm. too. But that takes time, as we all know. Yeah. Grundy <laughs> is always, it's, it is a unique place. It's beautiful. It reminds mm-hmm. me of going to um, the East Tennessee, but mm-hmm. you don't have the drive. It's very close, yes. all the beautiful things there. But it's so large and spread out, yes. and each community is kind of its own little area. Absolutely. You know, when you're talking about like Bersheba Springs, Grootley Lager, that's a pretty good little drive to mm-hmm. go into Mont Eagle. It really um, is. And, and even Mont Eagle is, uh, you know, limited on their groceries mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. So it's it's very diverse. Absolutely, yeah. And because of the topography, you know, I mean, you do, it takes like an hour to get across the county, mm-hmm. you know, and because you don't have like a four lane like we do here. You know, it's all those winding roads. And uh, and you're right. I mean, it is, I think it's six or seven different townships, you know, uh, mm-hmm. within Grundy County. And they all have their own flavor and their own identity and their own pride. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, th- I find it an incredibly interesting place. Uh, it's really it's really funny. But I, I love Bershpa Springs. And, you know, I get to have the most beautiful commute to work oh, every you time. Do. You yes, know, drive yes. through Irvin College. That's normally the way that I go because I love going up the mountain. Mm-hmm. As long and, as the road stays stable. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. I've had a few issues with the, the highway. Yeah, falling off. off the mountain. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they look like they've really reinforced it this time, so hopefully it'll stay. Yeah. But it is such a gorgeous drive. And and it's just such a peaceful kind of place, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and and everybody's everybody just does their own thing. They keep to themselves. But yet, at the same time, friends 
friends are like family, and family means so much there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I, I really enjoy getting to know the people. In well, Grundy. it's been very fortunate, I guess, because of the beauty the beauty of the area. Lots of resources come in mm-hmm. from outside of Grundy mm-hmm. County because oh, yeah. people appreciate mm-hmm. the beauty, and then mm-hmm. they fall in love with the people. Yes, um, absolutely. I mean, it, it really is. And you know, I was concerned going into Grundy, you know, because I wasn't a native, and you know, a lot of times when small towns mm-hmm. it's it's hard it to might fit not in be accepted right. <laughs> right yeah yeah but you know i just talked about uh you know i mean i grew up in a, in a small community. And honestly, if we go back to our bloodlines, you know, most of us, I, I have um, Native American, Scots-Irish, you know, uh, bloodlines, and so do they. They do too, yes. And so, I mean, we're you know, my dad grew up in Irvin College. That's where my, my family is from. And so, um, you know, really not that far removed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of us are, and yeah. especially if you trace back. I love to think mm-hmm. about accents and things like yeah. that in the South. And <laughs> we all kind of come from the same Scotch-Irish, right. a lot a lot do anyway. Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. we get that hard R. And that's right. <laughs> all those great things that we, as we speak, we, we hear. Um, without giving names, tell us, I guess, a story of someone at the clinic. Uh, I'm sure there's countless stories, but is there someone that you can think of that this has made such a difference in their life? Yeah. You know, um, there was a, a woman recently who was waiting on her diabetic medication, and I was talking to her, and she said, you know, my mom's alive because of this clinic. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. She said, um, she, we, we have a mammogram bus that comes by, uh, once or twice a year. And, uh, and she went, they, you know, the, the people in the clinic said, no, you need to come and do this. It's, it's free. It, it'll be here all day. And she did. And, and of course they found, uh, they found a lump in her breast. And so, but they caught it early and, um, and the clinic stuck with her the whole time. And, um, and, you know, that's why they caught it. She wouldn't have sought that care otherwise, you know, know. Um, but I've heard that a lot. I've heard many um, patients saying, I would be dead right now without the clinic because, you know, they've taught me how to manage my diabetes wow. and and I can live, I can live, you know, well, a lot of times they talk about how they can take care of their grandchildren mm-hmm. more so than they could before, um, you know, so it's all about family there. Yeah. And that's, that's what I hear a lot in those testimonies is they get to have a better life with their families, you know, and they're still able to be with their families. Well, and diabetic medication has come so far and they're yes. getting exposed to mm-hmm. um, new medicines mm-hmm. that... Um, that are really making a difference in their lives. Absolutely. They've really come a long way. I mean, and they're in high demand right now, too. They are. So I've heard. I've heard lots of people uh, wanting that Ozempic or whatever it is. Yeah, actually just for weight loss. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So um, let's leave it for those diabetes. They need it very much. They really do. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I just want to say thank you, Mandy, for coming and being on the podcast. Um, What a wonderful resource um, in our area. And you guys, I'm just, still in awe that you all are able to operate um, being a 501c3 without any government or state yeah, funding. Yeah, it's a shoestring budget, but we do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what I love about nonprofits, though. It's always a, a challenge, you know, uh, to, to keep it going. But it's really, it's it takes so many people to do it. And it's just, I'm always impressed with the heart of the people on the board and in the community, the clinic. Now, I noticed on the website, there is a way for people to contribute. Mm-hmm. They can either contribute yes. monthly or just a one-time donation. Absolutely, yes, yes, you 
can go to our, our website, birchbeclinic.org. Um, and I mean, that is how we operate. We rely on that. And every bit of it goes to patient care. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You don't have a whole lot of overhead. No. So yeah. keeping it uh, lean and mean. Absolutely. And to, uh, <laughs> to provide that service. Uh, thank you again, Mandy, uh, yes. for being a part of the BLC Connection podcast. And we yes. invite our listeners to tune in for future episodes and share this content with other businesses. Until next time, this is your BLC Connection.